So do you guys remember this? Ever see this? All right. Uh, for the last 15 years, uh, Staples, the office supply store, has been using this as their marketing campaign. And it's, it's pretty smart on their part because, again, they know how often we will love to, to chase after what's easy, right? And so, yeah, if you just press the button, that was easy. That was easy. Uh, if you use their store, all of your office supply uh, needs will be taken care of. Uh, but it's not just office supply stores that have learned that trick. You know, you've got about a month now uh, to file your taxes yet. And if maybe you're looking for online tax help, you will look for what's easy. TurboTax will say, you know, choose easy. So use their company. Or maybe on Easter, you've got kids or grandkids that you have to entertain. And so you're, you're going to be looking for maybe some easy uh, Easter crafts. Or if, if how many times at night when you sit or getting ready for dinner, what will you choose? You will choose what's the easiest. Oh, this will just be easy. And so this, is, this becomes part of our, our mantra. What, what's, what's the easiest thing to do? Or, or what's the shortcut <laughs> uh, that we just saw the kids uh, take? And, and the Pharisees, we, we see them really looking at this idea that, oh, everybody likes to, to take the easy way. We see them really banking on that in their conversation with, with Jesus in Luke chapter 13 that we just read earlier. Uh, the Pharisees, again, just to review, we, we hear about the Pharisees all the time when we read about the life of Jesus in Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Uh, the Pharisees were spiritual leaders. They were the teachers. They were the, the, the people who hung out at the temple and, and shared the message of God's word. Unfortunately, uh, they got some things wrong, and, and they were actually uh, teaching contrary to what Jesus would teach. And so they didn't care for Jesus a whole lot when he arrived on the scene. Uh, he was teaching contrary to them. He was making them less popular. And so much of their time was trying to get rid of Jesus or at least lower Jesus. Sometimes they would try to get in debates with Jesus, and, and they would not really fare well doing that. They would leave with egg on their face, and Jesus would actually be raised higher in people's eyes. And so they said, all right, we have to come up with a different strategy. And so they said, well, maybe instead of confronting Jesus, let's show our concern for him. And that's what you see going on in Luke chapter 13. They, they start off and say, Jesus, you know, leave this place and go somewhere else. Herod, which is another name, that's the name of the king. Herod wants to kill you. Now, did Herod, the king, actually want to kill Jesus at this point? We're not certain. What we are certain about is what the Pharisees wanted. Just get out of here, Jesus. Take your teaching elsewhere. Leave. Go. And they're banking on this idea that Jesus is going to want to take the easier path. Jesus, you, want, you don't want your life to be hard. Go where it's easier. You don't want your ministry to be difficult. Go where it's easier. But the Pharisees miscalculated. They didn't realize that Jesus wasn't about doing the easy thing. That he wasn't about taking shortcuts. He was going to do whatever it would take to accomplish his goals. And so if it meant, you know what, I have to preach in this place even though people don't like me, 
I'm going to preach in this place. If I have to heal people in this place, I'm going to heal people in this place. And if people are, are you know, putting, wanting to put me to death, oh well. This is where I must be. In fact, that's what Jesus' response is. I must press on. Emphasis on that word, must. Not about pressing an easy button, but I must press on. You know, I, I've wanted to do this for a long time, and I have yet to do it. Uh, but I, I think a valuable worship series sometime would just be, what are things that Jesus had to do? Or maybe if, if you, uh, in your personal Bible reading, I encourage you to, sometime during Lent, just, just pick one of the, the biographies of the life of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. And as you read through those, that book, you know, over the next couple of weeks heading up to Easter, just, just have an eye toward this phrase, things that Jesus had to do. You'll hear him say, I must go to Jerusalem and die, or I have to do this, or I have to do that. And, and it, this isn't anything new. This is something that he, he did his whole life long. Even as a little boy, when he was 12 years old, same age as Hannah, all right? When, when he was 12, he went to church. He went to the temple with, with his mom and his stepdad. And he stayed after church. And when, and when the rest of the family is going on their way back home in a caravan, they all of a sudden realize that Jesus isn't with them. And so mom and stepdad come back to, to church, and they, and they find Jesus, and they kind of scold him. They say, what are you doing here? Don't you realize how worried we were about you? Do you remember what Jesus said in response? Didn't you know? I had. I had to be in my father's house. I had to be doing my father, my heavenly father's business. Some would say Jesus maybe was a little bit stubborn. He had to do something. Maybe better to say instead of stubborn, though, determined. Jesus was so determined. And it's one thing to be determined to, to have a conversation with someone. You know, that he was determined to get an audience with these teachers. Just like maybe you are determined once in a while when you come to church. Maybe you've even caught yourself saying this. Oh, remind me, I have to talk to somebody so-and-so today. One thing to be determined to have a conversation. It's a whole other thing to be determined to die. And that's what we see on display in this conversation with the Pharisees. Jesus says, I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day. For surely no prophet can die outside of Jerusalem. I must be here. This is the place where I must die. Because this is the place that it was prophesied that I was going to die. And so I have to fulfill the scriptures. This is the place, this city that has served as the hub, the place of, of the, the, uh, the hub of spiritual life for God's people for over a thousand years. This is the place where this all has to occur. This is the place where I have to satisfy God's justice against sin. Uh, this is the place where I must press on toward. This is the place where I must die. Yet Jesus, 
Jesus would never reach for that easy button. Well, he just kept on pressing on me. Even look at the timing here. I must press on today and tomorrow and the next day, whatever it would take. He didn't care. Pun intended, he was willing to to trade in staples in his hand for nails through his hand. Whatever it would take, he was willing to trade in his, his place in glory uh, for a place here on earth. He was, he was willing to trade in his crown of, of glory for a crown of thorns. He was willing to trade in a, a life of exaltation for a life of humiliation. He was willing to trade in life for death. And maybe, maybe that doesn't impress us. That he was determined to die. Because truth be told, we hear often about people who are willing to risk their life. Uh, Over the last month, I've heard it numerous times about the Ukrainians, about the citizens willing to risk their life uh, for the sake of their country. But it's not just in war that we hear those things. You know, maybe it's, it's our ancestors who are, who are willing to risk their life to, to sail across an ocean and start a new life here. Or maybe it's, you know, every day we think about police or firefighters and we, we marvel at them how they are willing to risk their life. And I don't want to downplay that heroism. But there is a difference between the Ukrainians and Jesus. There is a difference between our ancestors or police and firefighters and Jesus. All those situations that I talked about, people are willing to risk their life. That's different than being willing to give your life. One is a chance. The other one is certain. Jesus was determined to give his life. He knew this is what was going to happen. And we say, well, okay, but I still know other people who are willing to give their life knowing 100% they're going to die. Maybe even terrorists, right? When a terrorist puts a bomb vest around around themselves and they go into a building and blow it up, they know they're going to die. Okay, you're right. But even that situation is is different than Jesus. Because when you you look at the motivation, when when people are willing to either risk or give their life for their country or for their religion or for their, their family or for their community, they are all risking or giving their life for something that they are part of. Jesus was willing to give his life for a world that wanted no part of him. That's quite a contrast. We might be willing to lay down our life for people that we're part of. But again, Jesus is willing to lay down his life for a world that wanted no part of him. That's pretty remarkable. You know, and it, th- this, this lesson here, 
really brings to point uh, what Jesus said, what it means to be one of his followers. When you think of what he, how he defines what a disciple is, a disciple, he says, must deny themselves and pick up their cross, pick up their suffering and follow him. A disciple of Jesus is someone who, who says no to me, says no to self. Uh, that is not an easy thing to do. Uh, that is something that we often fail to do. Uh, because, you know, what do we do? We, like I said, we, we often, we will take the shortcut. That's how we're wired. We'll chase after the easy dollar. We'll, we'll cultivate relationships uh, that, will be, that will benefit us. Uh, we, will, we will choose a school or enroll in a school that, because of what, how it will prepare me for life and what I'll get out of it. Or we'll take classes because of what it will do for me. Or maybe even sometimes we choose a church uh, along those same standards. What is this church going to do for me? Is this church going to meet my preferences? Is this church going to serve me? And it, and it becomes so much about self. We live in this, what you might call a consumer culture, where I am going to buy me. It's all about the consumer. It's all about me. We embrace that consumer mentality. And that mentality where, where I am front and center can so easily navigate its way into my spiritual life and my relationship with Jesus. Where I think, okay, Jesus, what are you going to do for me? You know, are you going to make my life easy? Or you, you think of the opportunities where where we maybe have on the one hand, we have an opportunity to witness for Jesus to, or, or to point someone else to what their Savior has done for them, or we have the easier choice, which is to maybe just hold our tongue and move on. How often do we reach for that button? Or we have a lifestyle choice where we can do something that, that God has outlined in his word and it's, it's God-pleasing, or we have what maybe reaches and fits the cultural norm. And we reach for that easy button. Or we have a financial opportunity to put Jesus first in our life, or we maybe can dedicate our first finances to us first, and maybe Jesus is second, or third, or fourth. And we reach, we reach for that easy button. That's what we often do. You know, just, just digging into these, these words this week, I was led to ask the question, is my life as a Christian easy? And you can ask yourself that. Is your life as a Christian easy? And if it is, does that maybe mean I'm not living my life according to my faith as much as I could or should. You know, am I reaching for that that easy button just a little little too often? Am I am I looking for the shortcut instead of maybe the difficult path? Am I willing to press on when I'm being pressed on? 
Am I walking the path that Christ has marked out for me? Or am I walking my own path? Those were some of the questions I was wrestling with and maybe that I ask you to wrestle with. And I will tell you, I am embarrassed and ashamed to know how I answered many of those questions. And probably so are you. And yet, instead of being ashamed and embarrassed about how we answer those questions, might it lead us to marvel all the more about how Jesus answered those questions. He never reached for the easy button. He was willing to press on and on and on. This day, the next day, and the next day, and the next day. To show his love for you. He was willing to press on all the way to the cross. To pay for your sins. To, to marvel at that when you know that he could have easily <laughs> picked the easy way out. But he didn't. That is so humbling and so assuring. And it maybe, you know, it, it, it paints this picture of Jesus in our minds that he's just this, this chiseled jaw guy who's like, get out of my way. I'm, on a, I'm a man on a mission. <laughs> and, and yes, that's the kind of, kind of guy that he was. I was listening to a preacher podcast about him, about this lesson this week, and the, the podcaster uh, referenced strength finders, which you've heard me talk about before, so it, it kind of perked my ears as I was listening to it, and he said, you know, if Jesus was uh, uh, taking the strength finders test, he'd be an achiever. He'd be one that says, I am going to accomplish my goals no matter what. Nothing gets in the way. He's got this internal fire that never causes any burnout. But then the podcaster went on to say, but this is what makes Jesus so odd, so unique, is that not only is he an achiever, he's also an includer. Meaning he's willing to go on his own, I'm going to accomplish this no matter what. But he also wants to widen the circle and bring other people in at the same time. Or to use the illustration that Jesus used here, these are, these are opposite ends of the spectrum. You know, at the one moment, he says, I must press on. What does he say in the next verse? <laughs> oh, yeah, and I'm like a mother hen. Those two pictures don't quite picture fit together. You know, the, this chiseled jaw guy, and he says, oh, yeah, and I'm also like a mother hen that wants to bring you under my wings. And yet, while that's maybe a little softer of a picture of Jesus, some of you, I think, very clearly understand the passion behind that picture. You know, this last week I was on a, one of a flight and someone asked me, so, so what do you like about being a pastor? And I said, well, one of the things I really enjoy is just being part of people's important moments of their life. You know, to, to be part of Carson's baptism a couple of weeks ago. What a privilege to be able to to be part of that or to be part of people's weddings or to be part of people's confirmations. But it's not just the good moments, it's also the difficult moments, I said. You know, to, to be there, to point people to the promises of God's word and the comfort of God's word, maybe at a funeral or when they find out they have cancer. And yet, I would say the most difficult hurts that people have shared with me 
is the one that Jesus is addressing here. And maybe it's one that you've endured, is that when you, when I hear parents or grandparents longing for their children or their grandchildren, who they raised to know Jesus, but have now left the flock. And they long, they long to have them under the wings of Jesus again. That compassion, that, that, that hurt for other people is what you see Jesus have here. And it's that compassion which drives his passion to continue to go to the cross. And if you're hurting with that today, and, and, and even if you don't have kids or grandkids, you know, you probably have this longing for a friend or for a neighbor or for a co-worker. Someone that, that you just long to have underneath the wings of Jesus. What does this assure us of? Jesus longs to have them too. In fact, he longs probably even more than you do. Because who, for whom is he longing here? He's not longing for his loved ones to know him. He's not longing for his loved ones to be underneath his wing. He's longing for his enemies, for people who killed and stoned the prophets, the very prophets that he sent. He's longing for their children. I mean, you talk about love. You talk about immense love that Jesus must have. And if he's longing for them, I mean, th this just goes to show how that, that there is not a single person in this whole world that has ever lived in this world that Jesus doesn't want under his wing, including you and including your children and your grandchildren. And if Jesus has that much of a longing for them and to understand that's what drives him, that ought to comfort us today. That's how much Jesus is willing to go the distance for us. That he is willing to do whatever it takes so that he could take us to be with him in eternity. That he is doing whatever it would take to take us home to be with him in heaven. Where every day we can press this button where there is no pain, where there is no hurt, where there is no sorrow, where there is no death. But we can simply say every day, hmm, well, that was easy. Amen. And may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, keep your hearts and your minds